Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. These are familiar stories. Let us listen for God's word. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. For what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, loving and gracious, we come to you this morning asking you to find that which is lost. We ask, O oh God, for you to find people and parts of ourselves that we cannot. By your word, bring us the rejoicing that comes from finding and being found. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When word got out that I was preaching on this parable, a woman told me this story. Many years ago, this woman wore a beautiful ring to church. It had a black star sapphire stone. And her husband had gotten the ring in Thailand and brought it home and given it to their daughter. So this day, this woman got to wear her daughter's beautiful ring. But when the church service was over, she noticed that the stone was gone. And she searched and she searched, and others helped her, but she could not find that stone. And she was so sad. But a year later, her husband was cleaning up the pews. 
and taking the bulletins away and straightening the prayer cards and the offering envelopes. And he was ready to go and he came to his wife and said, I have to stop by the office because I found this and I want to leave it in the office for whoever lost it. And he opened up his hand and there in his hand was the black star sapphire. And she said, it's the stone. It's the stone in the ring that I lost. And she took it upstairs to show her daughter whose ring it was. And there was much rejoicing. People leave things in the pews. <laughs> Sunglasses, glasses cases, umbrellas, the occasional car keys. And the ushers sort of know where everybody sits, and so they can go and chase you down if you have lost something. And we have people coming back and calling to church, I lost my bracelet. Did anybody find it? But I think what we generally come looking for at church are the things not that we've lost here, but the things that we've lost out there. We come to church looking for lost hope, lost faith, lost courage, lost strength, because this is a place where what is lost can be found. The story that Jesus tells is the kind of story that will get him killed. It seems like innocuous little vignettes about a sheep and a coin, but it is scandalous and angering and dangerous that Jesus tells these stories. Why? Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, has just shared a meal with the Pharisees. He has been at their house, and sharing a meal in ancient Palestine creates a covenant, creates a social contract. When you have a meal in someone's home, you are under their protection. You have aligned yourself with that person. Jesus leaves the Pharisees' house, and he goes and eats a meal with cheats and crooks, the tax collectors and the sinners. Jesus aligns himself with the tax collectors and the sinners. And the Pharisees see that and it shames them. The one with whom they had aligned aligns with those who will have nothing to do with the religious establishment. They don't care about the game and they don't care about the rules. But they do like listening to Jesus. The Pharisees are angry. And Jesus angers them more. And let's listen to what Jesus does in these stories. They're parables, which means that they are a special kind of story that is meant to have a bite, that is meant to overturn 
some way of our thinking. So let's see what Jesus does. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep, we're sheep owners. We have a vast wealth. Which one of us, having a hundred sheep, upon losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and search after the one that is lost. Wait a minute. We're not the sheep's owners. We're shepherds. Dirty, despised shepherds. Shepherds who would sit there with the tax collectors and the sinners because that's what people thought of them. And the Pharisees are backing off now. We're not shepherds. And when that one sheep is found, we not lay it on our shoulders and rejoice and come home and invite friends and neighbors to rejoice with us, saying the one that was lost is found. And Jesus really gives the kicker. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 others who need no repentance. And Jesus has flipped this story. God is the despised, dirty shepherd. And that's offensive to the Pharisees. As well as being cut out of the story. By the end of the next story, the Pharisees will hear very clearly that Jesus says that God would rather sit with the crooks than the tax collectors than be with them. The only place in the story for the Pharisees is if the Pharisees are willing to come to the party of rejoicing for that one sinner who is found with a God who will stoop down to become a shepherd. And as if that story isn't enough, Jesus goes on to talk about a woman who lights a lamp and sweeps her house to find one coin. Now, it costs money to light a lamp. She's searching at night. She could have waited till the daytime when she didn't have to pay money for the oil in the lamp. And then in the middle of the night, she goes out and invites over her friends and her neighbors and throws a party that probably cost more than the coin was worth. No one would do this. No shepherd would leave 99 in the wilderness at risk to go find the one. No one but God. Do you see how Jesus flips the story? That parable... gets us. It pulls the rug out from underneath our feet. And that has to do with repentance. In our English language, repentance pretty much means to feel sorry for what we have done that is wrong and to commit ourselves to do better. And that's there. But a sheep can't repent, 
and a coin surely can't repent. And there is another dimension to repentance in the Greek and the Hebrew. In Hebrew, when that word repentance or repent is used, it's about coming home to God. It's about God turning. It's about us turning with the hand of God and God working with us and leading us home. Just as the children of Israel repented out of exile and came home to the temple. And in Greek, that word repentance, metanoia, literally translates to go beyond the mind that one has. We all have been enculturated to seeing the world in particular ways. It's the way it is. It's how things are. But a parable tries to get us to go beyond the mind that we have, to see things in a new and different way. Like God being a shepherd. Like God being a cleaning woman who will stop at nothing to find that which is lost, to find those who are lost in poverty, to find those who have been lost in despair or grief or sadness, to find those who are lost to perfectionism or lost in their work and have lost all perspective. To those who have lost faith or lost hope, God will stop at nothing to come and find us. This week, I have seen God become those people who others have needed so that they could be found. Sometime God enlists us to be a part of the finding and sharing the joy not only of being found, but also of finding. This was a week for being found. This past week I stood by the side of a hospital bed with a woman who was sick and they could not find the diagnosis. And there by the bedside were nurses and a doctor who would not stop searching until the diagnosis is found. They will search and they will search and God will be there and God will use them until that person can turn around and the physicians go beyond the mind that they have to see how this person's health may be found. And this week I was with some parents searching for their daughter's lost hope. And knowing that they will not stop, that God will use them 
and God will be with them, searching and searching and searching. And that one has begun to be found. And there's another story about a family and a young person who became lost in confusion, in fear, when contacted by our court system and didn't know what it was about. And a woman began to search for them for answers and found them and took away the confusion and found clarity and found what turned out to be incredible joy. This is our God who will become whoever we need to find us, who will enlist us to be part of the finding, a God who will not stop searching until there is rejoicing, a God who will use us in seeking and finding and sharing with the joy of angels. Sometimes when we're walking on the street, and especially if we have a little child with us, and there's a penny on the ground, what does that child do? They hold it up and say, look, look, I found a penny. Look, look, I found this. Let every penny in your pocket be a reminder to you of the joy of God's finding. And know that you are found in God's love and God's grace and whatever is lost, however lost, God will not search, stop searching in this life or the next until all are found. Amen.